This episode of The Explainer is supported by Daft Advantage Ads. Selling a home is a huge financial decision, so make sure your property is on daft.ie, Ireland's number one property website. Welcome to the journal.ie The Explainer, where every week we take a deep dive into a different news story. I'm Laura Byrne, and this week, how has the Rose of Tralee survived so long? So whether you see it as a celebration of modern Irish women or an embarrassing lovely girls competition, the new Rose of Tralee has been crowned for 2023 after some excitement in Kerry this week. Roisin Wiley, the New York Rose, took the win on Tuesday night after what appears to have been another successful run of the festival. Now, Rose of Tralee has been running for over 60 years and every year the debate rears up about whether it really is culturally relevant, plain out of date or just a bit of crack. The competition format changed slightly this year with the addition of Catherine Thomas as the new co-host to longtime host Thahi O'Shea. So today we're asking, how did the Rose of Tralee make it so far? What is it about it that endures? and did the new presenter format make any difference this year? And to do that, we're joined by our own Carl Kinsler, who reported from Tralee for us this week. Carl also writes the weekly Surreeling in the Years column here at the Journal. And we're also joined by journalist and features writer with the Irish Independent, Kirsty Blake-Knox. Many thanks to both of you for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Laura. Thanks for having us. Firstly, Kirsty, when we look at the Rose of Tralee in 2023, is it merely a lovely girls competition? How is it trying to stay relevant? This year, obviously, there was the difference to the hosts and stuff, but every year there seems to be small changes that they kind of make. Uh, they, in 2008, um, unmarried mothers were allowed to enter for the first time. Um, then last year, or um, they extended out the age so that you can now be up to 29. And uh, you can also be a married or a transgender woman. So they've they've made changes like that to kind of make it more current, I guess. Is it just a lovely girls competition? I don't know if it was ever just a lovely girls competition because the Rose of Tralee has been so tied into Tralee and Kerry and everything. So it's almost hard to just see it as the two nights of television on RTE because down in Tralee, it's so much bigger than that. But every year, like you said, as it's like clockwork. The the opinion pieces come out saying, how has this still got a place? And how is it still on television? And does it not feel like it's from another era? But I guess the fact that we're still talking about it proves that it's kind of got a relevancy um, uh, today as well. And Carl, you're not long back from Tralee. And I'd say you weren't exactly a massive Rosa Tralee fan on your way down there. What's your take on the way back? Well, honestly, not that I would have been negative about the Rose of Tralee before I went down, but I don't think I'd ever watched it, even a minute of it on television before. I had obviously seen the Twitter coverage year after year, the you know, the jokes and the memes and the screen grabs of Dahi O'Shea doing various activities. But I would say, yeah, I feel like my perspective has been greatly enhanced and my my horizons have been broadened after after being down there. Certainly I'd echo what what Kirsty says in terms of the significance to the town of Tralee. There's two separate things. There's the actual selection night, which is what everybody tunes into to watch on RTE. But then there's the the actual like Fela Trolley and the festival itself, which takes place throughout the town. And they have all sorts of activities. They had a, ju- a, a dog judging contest on all like all these kids brought their dogs. It was a dog judging contest, you know, like street food, lots of live music being played. So I think from that perspective, it has that relevance of just being an economic boon to the town of Tralee. As far as when you get into the conversation of how does it, what sort of representation for women does it offer? It's obviously a lot more complicated because you'll have 
some people who will argue that it is greatly feminist for all these people to have this opportunity to get up on stage and give their life story and to sort of showcase their talents and their ingenuity. But then you'll have other people who argue the opposite, that it's too still set in its ways and still too traditional and that you still need to wear the ball gown. You still need to, as you say, you need to kind of have that lovely attitude and that sort of what like Eamon de Valera had in the constitution is like the comely women, you know, by the hearth, there is still a vague sense of, of the, you know, conforming to that. So it's all about striking a balance. And I do think it, as Kirsty says, they are trying to strike that balance by letting more and more people in there. So I think there are still probably strides to be made, but as it stands, it does, it does, you know, it certainly serves a purpose for a lot of people. And maybe that lovely girl by the heart image is just works for Kerry with the diaspora and with tourism. And you can't take from that. And Kirsty, in a nutshell, then, if we look at the process itself, how does it work as a competition? So all around the world, there are rose centres, which are usually tied into like kind of Irish, you know, in like Australia and in London, they'll have like London Irish centres. And they kind of start looking out to select or recruit a rose for every year. So in each uh, rose centre, which is in different countries and counties, they'll have a national selection process. And then those uh, whoever selected will go on to represent their county or country or where they're from in the Rose of Tralee proper. Um, So there's usually around 65 um, roses selected. Um, and it's a five-day festival. They basically have to do like a whistle-stop tour of um, of the country and they do stuff like go to hospitals and different local um, kind of shops and, and tourist attractions. And then, as Carl said, it's the, the final kind of two days or are, are the, the days where they're on stage for, for the RT show. Um, but it's, it's kind of like a much lengthier process than what, what we see um, on television. It's also it's I've never been to it myself and I tend to, you know, we read these opinion pieces, as you say, Kirsty, coming up to it. And I'm always kind of in between both. I think, oh, my goodness, is this still going? And then I have a half an eye on it and I think, oh, it's just a bit of crack. It's harmless. So you mentioned being down there in the festival, Carl. What was it like on the ground for you? It was strange. There's no two ways about that. Like it's it's an unusual idea because, you know, it's obviously not quite a beauty pageant because it's so reliant on this criteria of just being very sound and being very nice. The actual organization of it is strange. So up until two years ago, I think last year was the first year that they hadn't hosted it in the big dome. They used to have a temporary marquee that they would build outside the Rose Hotel on Denny Street, which is where the town park for Tralee is. So it's very central. I think they used to have problems with it kind of blowing away from time to time. And I think yeah. I, I they had a few different issues. But so I think partly as a cost cutting measure, they've now relocated to the IT Tralee campus of the Munster Technological University. So now it takes place in the Kerry Sports Academy, which so when you're waiting to Doesn't go. I have the same ring to the dome. The no, dome. not at all. And it's very unusual. It gives that sort of atmosphere of like when you go to see your little cousin's dance recital or like if you're if your dad is in a community theater play like and you're just kind of in a gym foyer. And that's what it was like. You know, it was, it was like a college gym reception waiting to go in. And there was a jazz band in the corner. And the name of the jazz band was literally foyer jazz band, which I thought was very funny. Um, <laughs> but so it was. It was, yeah, it was unusual. It was once you 
are done waiting and you're out of the foyer, they had a hall done up really nicely. It was, it was covered in black felt, so completely blacked out, no uh, light getting in. And it was just kind of sort of stars done on the ceiling and chandeliers. And it was all very nice. So it looked, you know, like a, a very nicely done up hotel conference room or marquee. But yes, yeah, certainly the setup, it's changed quite a lot. And I think there are those in Tralee who do miss the dome and they're not a big fan of the change um because i think it also takes it a, a little bit further outside of the town um it's about a 10 minute drive outside of the center of the town to get there so it sort of complicates things and i think people want certainly the businesses uh want it to be centered completely in the town and that's understandable it is a massive draw for tourism for the area and carl i get the sense that you kind of went down there with well if you can't beat them then join them so was there much <laughs> of a party element then when the cameras were off did you find yeah i definitely did like there was some great moments where like you know stuff you won't see on tv where when the roses were making their entrance into the sports academy they had a guard of honor on each side of all the escorts and they were like chanting just can't get enough by depeche mode like it was a football match or something now that, so, that is surreal that was yeah it was mad like and it was funny and I, there was one bit where I was in the bathroom like at the urinal and suddenly all of the escorts filed in and I was like oh my god I was like I need to get out of here it was like March of the Penguins because they're all there in their tuxedos and it's it's so funny like as well because the kind of escort of the year Tommy Cunningham he, he was talking about how inclusive the escorts were and how he was really encouraged to be himself and it was all really nice I will say when I was in the bathroom I still felt the testosterone it was still like <laughs> still a very male macho kind of vibe something but, tells me you could be back as an escort next oh, year my, next. I don't have the posture for it that's the one thing I know they all have great posture I, I couldn't possibly I could never hope to to be an escort I don't think but it was it was they you know they seemed like lovely guys and as far as the party atmosphere yeah like it was it was buzzing because you know you're talking about it, the people in attendance are all family members and well-wishers so they're all just they see it as a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for someone in their life and it, it is really nice strangely enough is dry bar no alcohol being served at the at the Kerry Sports okay, Academy interesting um, unusual yeah. for an Irish event I would think such a major Irish event I was just gonna say um when I covered it it was when the do- it was during the dome and the dome was right next to the Rose uh, uh, Hotel as, as Carl said and I just have to say that really did lend the atmosphere because people were dashing between the hotel and back into the dome and it was this big marquee and it did kind of add to a sense of excitement about it and then I was staying in the Rose Hotel one year the party after the televised final was just like it was huge and there was a real sense of everyone letting their hair down and it was actually which I think sometimes maybe when you're watching at home there's a it's really good fun like there's a real sense of crack to it you know and like people are kind of really enjoying themselves um and I think sometimes when you're watching at home you get the impression that the roses are kind of as Carl said quite wholesome and and it's a little straight laced and 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 uh but but it is really good enjoyment and and I think that's probably part of the reason why um so many of them describe it as such a positive experience and everything like that. Well, this is it, isn't it? It's easy to scoff at the Rose now who's waving at Granny who might be over from Boston, let's say, but it does matter to the Irish abroad and it's part of our DNA in a sense. Kirsty, it's going for years now, as we said. How did it start and what's the background to it? Yeah, so basically in the 1950s, there was this um, festival called Antostal and it was like basically trying to celebrate all that was good and great of Ireland. And there were these local festivals, things like the Tidy Towns kind of evolved out of it. Um, and it was based on the Festival of Britain that well, was in uh, the 1950s over in the UK. The Rose of Trilly kind of came at the very end of this, this idea for a festival of Trilly and a celebration of Trilly. 
And at first it was only people who were from Tralee could enter it. Then it extended out that you could be from Kerry. And then in the 60s, it was of anyone of Irish descent. And then they kind of rebranded it in the 70s as the Rose of Tralee, hinging on the, the, the air or whatever. Since the 60s, it's really, when it became televised, it became like, you know, a sit down event and, and the whole country kind of got in, involved in it. But in terms of like the format and stuff, it's very like it, it really hasn't changed that much at all. Like it's got bigger and um, there is more roses. The investment is is bigger. But that thing of going up and talking to a host and kind of doing essentially as an icebreaker conversation of who you are um, and, and then also doing a bit of a trick or a talent, it hasn't hasn't shifted from that the Garda band is still involved it's it's really adhered to the format that it started out with quite strictly which which is surprising and for a tv show which it is quite a large tv production that's pretty unheard of isn't it that it would endure like that with that format it's quite conservative yeah but then one year um when i was covering they or she tried to kind of introduce a different element where they had this documentary uh called road to the dome as part of that, so there's 65 roses and only 32 of them make it on stage for the for the televised bit. And RT kind of did an X Factor style, what was deep called the Rose Cull. And it was like they divided the women into two rooms and gave them all single stem roses. One room it was red roses, the other room it was white roses, and then filmed their reaction when they kind of said, you won't be making it on stage. And there was huge uproar at this because it was seen as like really going against what the ethos of the festival was. And then it was scrapped after that. Like they didn't, they never did it again, you know. Um, So the kind of familiarity of the structure seems to be what people kind of like about it as well. Yeah, because when I was down there, I actually assumed that there was some public vote element. I Because I, I knew there was a three-judge panel, but I assumed it would be one of those things where it's weighted and you get maybe 50, like kind of like the Eurovision, where it's some percentage yeah. judges and some percentage public vote. And when I learned there was no public vote at all, I was amazed because that's so unusual in this day and age for anything that's like either a game show or a talent show or reality TV in any respect for there to be no sort of public interaction, for there to be no tension where you're sort of waiting to, as, as Kirstie says, you know, like that X, X Factor style of being sent home or like the same way on like Love Island or Survivor, the way people are essentially kicked off, you know. I tried to engage with an audience now in an age of social media. That's totally. what, why it becomes like That's, that. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's almost, it's, it is almost admirable that the Rose of Tralee has stuck to its guns so steadfastly in terms of not playing into that negativity and that typical thing of like, you know, like they still are seem to be very focused on getting in people who are truly nice as opposed to the kind of like combustible figures that you're used to on reality TV who can like fly off the handle or like, because I mean, for entertainment purposes, I think everybody would be a little bit interested if one of the losing roses was to make some kind of wild grab for the tiara or like curse out all the other No, I would watch that. Yeah, it's like people would watch that. And I think it is almost like, it's almost noble that they don't do that. And that yeah, it's instead, the opposite of controversy, isn't it? They it just is. want just someone like, to play ball. Just like, get up, keep tell it, us about your nice. nana. Tell us about your job in, in <laughs> you know, in nursing or like in, it's and it's just like, it's all just extremely sweet, you know? Thinking of selling? Choose a daft advantage ads to guarantee unbeatable visibility, attract more buyers, and get the best price for your home. Ask your estate agent for a Daft Advantage ad today. 
I thought one, one that stood out for me and I just dropped in and out of it this week uh, was the Claire Rose. Uh, it was yeah. quite unusual. Was it, Curtis? Did you see that where the Claire Rose was telling a very difficult story about her own family life? Yeah. And that was probably the first time I noticed a conversation like that in the middle of it. Yeah, like the thing is, is that what stands out is the novelty moments and like, you know, Dahi O'Shea doing a ventriloquist impersonation or like, you know, kind of like the bizarre moments are the ones that tend to really take fire on social media. But there are kind of like very um, evocative and emotive stories that the Roses do tell on stage. That one by the Claire Rose, where she was talking about how the community had rallied around her and her and her siblings was really emotional and it's kind of hard to be cynical about it as a show and yeah and even there was also a discussion about like people talking about who had been affected by suicide and stuff like that so they they do touch on kind of even though we see it as very twee kind of like viewing there are moments where people do kind of touch on like serious weighty topics and and subjects you know that definitely struck me when I was writing my report from the second day was just the foregrounding of grief throughout the entire program because you know if you were to describe it to someone from a different country I think they usually will come back and say oh so it's like a beauty pageant and you're like no it's not a beauty pageant because most of them are talking about death and just the hardships they face in their life so it's just a very you know it makes me feel like we're quite a strange people for being so into it but we Um, do like these conversations look at the late late show I mean you never feel a late show without a very intense conversation it's clearly something that's very deeply embedded in the Irish psyche that like when we want to be quote unquote entertained oftentimes what we're looking for is something quite raw like and to, quite sad. Like and, the, um, and what do you think, having been there, Catherine Thomas, obviously the new female presenter, which is a change uh, after several years, do you think that made a difference to the tone I, of it? It's specifically in relation to the Claire Rose, there was a moment where Catherine Thomas was very visibly crying on stage. And I don't know if that's necessarily because Oh, she's a woman, but like, I do think her own energy brought something different because Dahi O'Shea, I guess his vibe is, he is, you know, it's not that he can't be serious, but he is a bit of a, he's a joker and he's a bit of a rogue and he's he's lovable. I think Catherine, Catherine Thomas brought a separate energy in terms of like an additional layer of empathy or something like that. And I'm not saying Dahi O'Shea is not empathetic, but I just think Catherine Thomas did concern herself with providing a bit of empathy that I thought came over very well, particularly in that Claire Rose uh, instance I thought I thought she was really good like as you mentioned Kirsty the roses they do have to do some work before the final event that would have happened this week let's say what's required of them in this process is there rules maybe they have to follow does it cost them much to get involved in the competition yeah they have to get a sponsorship uh, of I think it's like to to uh, cover like the initial kind of cost and it is like obviously it's it's not going to be as expensive if you're the Dublin Rose versus you're the New Zealand Rose <laughs> um but a lot of them travel over with like a huge entourage or family with them and like kind of almost if they are like second generation Irish they almost all see it as like a kind of like homecoming and and that that's also another reason why it tends to be quite emotional for them but um it is expensive because they also have to have outfits for all the like there's like hundreds of photo calls and hundreds of events that they have to go to and they have to kind of you know they're representing the festival so they have to kind of representing it as best they can the same way if you were going out for work you'd have to wear certain kind of uh clothes and stuff like that so so it is like it's a it is quite a a quite a, a lot kind of that they that they're taking on then they have to set aside take the time off work <laughs> to do it because it's like once you factor in it's the week that you're there there's 
going in to do protocols for RT before. So it's all in all, it's at least, I'm going to say three weeks that you have to take off from work. And then if you are the rose, the crown the rose, then you've got the next year where you've got to come out, commit to like going to different events and being a representative and everything like that. So it is, it is an undertaking. And there's like, there, I, I'm sure there's like, there's rules like that, you know, they have to wear their sash at all times and it has to be kind of like neatly presented and stuff like that. And I'm sure there are other rules that they kind of, you know, have to adhere to when they're on the ground. Um, and I'd say that's to kind of uh, just like you said, like, like we said, it's a, it's a big festival for Tralee. So you want to almost kind of prep people so that they're ready for what they're, they're stepping into um, uh, in advance of it. I have to say, I feel sort of conflicted when you describe they have to wear the sash at all times and everything has to be presentable. It sort of reminds me of Ladies' Day at the at the races. <laughs> some some people absolutely love this stuff. <laughs> yeah, but with the sash, I kind of get, I can understand because um, there's so many of them that like it's almost like a, you know the way sometimes when you go on on holiday and you'll see tourists all wearing the same colored backpack. Like it's almost like an identifier. And like, if you're down covering it, it's quite handy. Cause you're like, well, they're, that's definitely the Washington Rose. Cause they're wearing a giant sash. That tells yeah. Me. When I got <laughs> down there and they gave me my lanyard, I was a bit disappointed because I thought it would be better <laughs> to have like a sash that just says, you know, like journal, journal journalist, journalist, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll make you up one, Carl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it might be more of a practicality thing than, than anything else. You know? <laughs> well, and, and I mean, we do have a new Rose. Can Carl tell us first who won? Why do you think they won? Yeah, so Roisin Wiley, uh, she's 27. She's from New York. She's the New York Rose, and she's you know born and bred New York. She's like a lot of them. A lot of the representatives from across the you know the various seas were you know Irish people who had moved to Australia. But Roisin Wiley is she is American, um, and she was saying that is interesting because it means that whenever she meets any new American person, she tells them that her name is Roisin they're always, you know, that's because that's not a normal name over in the US. So she was saying she spent her entire life explaining that she is of Irish descent. She says she she felt like she'd been kind of a secret ambassador for Ireland her whole life. But it, it's very interesting, like her job now, she's vice president of sales at some national retail, retail firm. And now she has to kind of rewrite the next 12 months of her life, which I think that's got to be so difficult to explain to your boss in some skyscraper in New York that like, oh, I'm the Rose of Tralee and I now have these it's pretty duties. Random, isn't it? Because yeah. you wouldn't have so much of a global... It's, it's like if you had to tell right. your boss that you were like now mayor of a small town in Ireland. And it's like, well, look, I was It'd elected. i take I issue with that yeah. now in Tralee. Yeah. <laughs> but it is, it's such a funny... And I, it was my first question for her at the press conference afterwards. I was like, what do the next 12 months look like now for well, you? what do they... What, I mean, she didn't seem to know, really. I think she <laughs> just was... I think she was a bit shell-shocked and I think she wasn't thinking about it yet. Uh, she's, you know, like, it must be so unusual now as someone who's probably you know quite a high earner probably quite a high flyer in you know downtown manhattan to now be like i now have to go and maybe do you know cut cut ribbons at things in towns in ireland you know well kirsty maybe that's the point i mean for someone like roisin who has seemingly a pretty decent career is this a career advance for her what does she have to do now for the next 12 months well, it's like she's a representative, so it's like, you know, kind of going to sporting events or if there's like Rose events around the world or Rose, it's like kind of like going and, and being the face of the Rose of the Trilly for the, the year. Um, any of the women who have been Rose of Trilly for a year have all said it was an incredible opportunity because they got to do lots of charity work. They got to do lots of like kind of fundraising or doing kind of getting awareness of uh the festival and and everything like that so I haven't heard anyone come out of it and ever say 
Jesus, that was such a burden. I can't believe mm-hmm. I had so much to do. Like they all seemed to say it was like this incredibly rewarding year. Um, but I agree with Carl. It must be a difficult thing to explain. Like in Ireland, if you said, I've been crowned the Rose of Trinity, people would automatically know the reference point. But if you're if you had never heard of it, it might be a difficult <laughs> one to get your line manager to sign off. And I guess it is so well established after so many years that they probably have it well set, set up for the person who does win. You got to give them that. You know? Yeah, yeah. I suppose most likely. I, I was. I did learn a little bit about the structure of how it all operates when I was down there. And it's you know they have a CEO, and I think they but they only have about five or six full time employees. And I was told by one of the workers there that it is ninety five percent volunteers. So I you know I found that very interesting because. It is. It was very efficiently run. Like it runs like clockwork. You know, you're there. You're watching it all go down, and you know the kind of the shuttles to and from the various locations, and you know people being shepherded this way and that. It all it ran very smoothly. Um, but as far as like them having things well set up, say for example, for the next twelve months, of the, like having seen it firsthand, I would say they're you know they've got very good people working on it. But I'm not sure how quite how much they could have a plan, given that it, you know it is ultimately a very small. It's quite a small operation, you know. So we have Roisin now from New York. She's the Rose of 2023. Any other standout moments then, Kirsty, from previous years that you might remember? So, I, I mean, I think there's like a couple of standouts, like um, in terms of just my favourite talent was definitely the Dublin Rose who did the hip hop routine to Party Rock. I just, it was just, <laughs> That's one of the greatest things I just, I've ever like, seen. Absolute commitment and 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 earnestness like she just throws herself into it um so that's that was really enjoyable but there have been other moments like um when I was covering it in uh 2016 there was the Fathers for Justice a guy dressed as a priest kind of rushed the stage and that was the first time that had ever happened and he was kind of brought down by security guards and that was quite kind of shocking and then that same year is um, when uh, Brianna Parkins uh, called for a repeal um, uh, and brought up the Eighth Amendment on stage. And that was really a standout moment, I think, because uh, it just it brought it to a drew on a national conversation. And, and it was also something that people wouldn't have thought was going to be discussed, discussed on stage at the Dome. And then uh, in 2014, I think, was when Maria uh, Walsh, uh, she was crowned rose and then talked openly about her sexuality. So there have been kind of important moments like that within the contest that have kind of really stood out. And then there's moments that aren't particularly memorable to other people, but I found really funny, like one year, um, the German rose did um, a rap, which first off, anytime someone does a rap in the Rose of Trinity, it's just like gold. But like she did a rap to like, uh, to the song A Millie and like it was like referencing like you know taking drugs and and uh, venereal diseases and stuff like that so then the organizer then, then the organizers kind of stepped in so she had to do like a PC version of it so she had to rewrite the lyrics and I just I just thought that was like so funny that they were kind of saying no no you can do it um but instead of venereal diseases maybe just say you know reoccurring diseases and stuff like that and I just love the work around I thought that was really really I'm surprised funny. they let her do it at all which is which is a sign maybe they were kind of open to it and Carl what about this year for you any other standout roses or important firsts maybe um i thought the south australia rose was very impressive not actually just confining that to how she was on stage but just i heard her give a few press conferences and she spoke very well about the modernization of the festival like she was saying that even though 
there are still these limits on who can enter that within the people who are involved, there's a very wide representation of like women who are neurodivergent or women who are like going through certain phases of grief. And I thought she just, she gave a very good sort of defense of the Rosa Tralee in terms of representing women at a certain point in their lives, all experiencing these different things and being able to speak about them openly and represent themselves in doing that. So I thought she was really great. Like, you know, it's that funny, strange thing of the public only gets to see that five minutes that they're on stage, whereas the judges or anyone who's down there taking part in it gets to see much more of the Rose's personality. And I thought she was a good example of like what you learn when you spend a bit more time with them. I thought the Awfully Rose was also really good. She spoke about having been bullied. Um, and it was so interesting because, you know, like I say, that five minutes on stage, she just came across so well and is such a likable person. And it just, you know, it, it boggles your mind that anybody is, is out there bullying such people, you know. Um, I guess like to represent the naysayers, one would ask then why does it have to be a quote unquote lovely girls competition for women to be heard absolutely. on these issues? Yeah. And this was kind of my question, you know, asking about sort of the age cap. And, you know, obviously you do need to point out that like the contestants overwhelmingly white, you know they're all by definition young all that kind of thing there are those you know because once as long as you set yourself the goal of trying to celebrate tradition you've got the problem of holding yourself to all the limits that tradition entails and i think that's where they run into trouble because as you say you know in in an ideal world we would be celebrating women going through these things at all stages of their lives and we'd be celebrating not just women but everybody we going the through. menopausal rose it could go on precisely could you could just have an an endless sort of different and th- that was my feeling when i was watching the first night was just that like everybody should have the opportunity to do this and get up on stage and just give a good account of themselves and have dahi o'shea be like ah oh, you're brilliant and then <laughs> applaud and get off and do you think kirsty it's going so long and we potentially could be here in 10 years with another podcast saying the same things do you do you feel really it is going to endure will it survive i mean it brings in between 15 and 20 million into the economy in Kerry and like i think that like i just i think it brings in so so much economically and also i think it's really good that there is a live big broadcast outside of Dublin like I think the fact that it's in Kerry and it's broadcast on RT I think that's really significant as well so and I think as long as people are talking about it and it's getting decent ratings and um and people are kind of split on opinion then it's going to be there you know I I think when people stop talking about it and people are forgetful of oh was that even on this year I, I forgot to tune in I think that's when its kind of place in cultural and social context will will be more more questionable but at the moment it's it's still kind of still kind of drawing people in and i i think part of the reason is because i said like of that mix that it's extremely predictable in one way and then you have lots of like oh my god what am i watching <laughs> moments as well i kind of uh, make it unique and to you carl do you are you a convert now to the rose of chile after having been there do you think it's it can <laughs> I, survive? I, I, I don't know if i'm a convert but certainly having been down there i'd say the people of Tralee would tell you like you could prize it from their cold dead hands like there's and having having seen it having seen the effect on the town in terms of the people like it's you know you're talking about you know obviously you can't tell just by looking but you're talking about thousands of people gathering for sure possibly 10,000 
there's no way they would ever let that go in Tralee. So as long as the town of Tralee is, I think, so prepared to put so much effort into making it, I think, you know, it's very unlikely that it's going anywhere. And I mean, I think we can probably assume that, you know, it's taken steps to modernize. It will probably continue to take steps to modernize. And I think as long as they play their cards right, people will remain interested. Um, So I can't, I certainly can't see it going anywhere anytime soon. And in actual fact, when you're down there and you're watching, I I think it's crazy very like rightly points out the fact that it's this huge event outside of dublin there is a huge appeal to that and you kind of almost think that it's something that local authorities and maybe in conjunction with rte and various other bodies should be trying to do and come up with more of you know because when you see the impact it has on a town like tralee you'd be thinking you know every town could do with something like this for sure so I think we've landed on the it's a bit of crack sort of, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. take it on it. That's no crack. harm. Uh, I, I can't finish this podcast without asking you. So first of all, uh, Kirsty, if you were a rose, what would your talent be? Oh my gosh, I don't know. It's so I was actually thinking about this, and I was really, <laughs> really pathetically, the only thing I could come up with is I'm I'm really good at crossing my eyes, and then I was like. <laughs> So, <laughs> but that's the only discernible talent I could I could come up with. Um, Please make yeah. it your mission to become a rose, so we can witness that. Yes, yeah, yeah. Or I don't know, like they, um, yeah, like you'd have to come up with something because I feel like, and I, I, I think it's it really makes the show all those those talent bits. Like even if you did something uh, like a dance but did it badly or something like that, I think it would like maybe something like that. But I, I can't sing, and I. I, I couldn't recite a poem because I'd, I'd mess it up. But yeah, maybe a dance or, or crossing my eyes or something like that. <laughs> I look forward to that. And Carl, I know you're multi-talented. I, something. I, I really don't. I, there's, I can't think of anything that I could possibly do that would endear me to the Irish public, to be honest. I'm good at, I'm good at capitals. I could do, like if, if Dahi started asking me capitals of the world. I think I could do well, but I don't think I don't think people would like that very much. I don't you think people could, would be you like could do something like live tweet your inner thoughts. That's yeah, do like you know a, a tight five stand up set kind of thing. Again, not sure the public would be into it. Um, I'd watch it. <laughs> but look, thanks guys. It's been really enjoyable chatting to you today, and I think it's safe to say the rose tree is going nowhere for now. So thanks so much to Chris Blake Docs, Carl Kinsler for your time today. Thanks. Thank you. This episode of The Explainer was supported by Daft Advantage Ads, the best way to sell your home in Ireland. Looking to get the best price for your home? Ask your estate agent for a Daft Advantage ad today. Thanks again to Kirsty Blake-Knox and Carl Kinsella for joining us today. You've been listening to The Explainer podcast by thejournal.ie. This episode was brought to you by senior producer Nikki Ryan and executive producer Sinead O'Carroll. If you'd like to support all the work we do here, head to thejournal.ie forward slash contribute to make a one-off donation or become a monthly subscriber. And of course, you can always leave a review and a rating wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.